Hey all, this is Dave Korsunsky. We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We've got a lot more great guests coming, so stick with us. If you like what you've been hearing, head to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Helps keep our show going, and we really appreciate it. Just a few quick updates on what we've been working on with headsuphealth.com, which is our app that allows you to centrally track all of your health metrics so you can use data to optimize your health. We just finished our integration with Elite HRV, so you can link your Elite account and your heart rate variability readings will show up on your Heads Up dashboard. Our electronic integration with Keto Mojo is right around the corner. It will be available in October of 2018. You'll be able to purchase a Bluetooth connector for the Keto Mojo device and it will instantly sync the readings with Heads Up Health. So we're really excited about that one. We've been beta testing it, it's working great, and it's right around the corner. Our mobile app, also right around the corner. We've got a bunch of beta testers, it's working great. That one should be available in September 2018. Our integration with Chronometer has just started. It'll take us two or three weeks to finish that one up. So lots of great new features in the Heads Up Health app. Check it out at headsuphealth.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. Welcome to Data Driven Health Radio. Okay, welcome to Data Driven Health Radio, everyone. Today I have the great privilege introducing a very special woman from the Charlie Foundation who is doing some really, really incredible work helping people with disorders related to metabolic dysfunction, disorders related to epilepsy, with a very specific focus on using ketogenic therapy. Beth, I know you have very, very deep subject matter expertise in how to properly use these dietary therapies from your own career expertise, but also from working with people all over the world who are reaching out to you, asking for help. So you bring a lot of real world practical expertise to this domain. So thank you for being here and give us an introduction. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Dave. I um, have been working with ketogenic therapies for 25 years. Actually, sorry, 27 years. I keep forgetting to add over time. That's a, a very respectable tenure that you have there, Beth, <laughs> with keto. Well, thank you. You know, and it's kind of, a, it's been so interesting because it was sort of the best kept secret for a while. Um, actually, not, not to the advantage of of those who can use it, mm -hmm. but all of a sudden it's out in the mainstream and yes. used for many applications. And, and for that reason, the Charlie Foundation actually opened its doors to using the diet and, and training and advocating this diet for the applications where there's evidence that it can benefit. Yep. Um, but we started off just using it for epilepsy because that is the oldest use. There's, you know, uh, studies going back to the 1920s mm -hmm. on its use in epilepsy in both kids and adults. And so that's where my um, experience for most of this time has been. But more recently, in the last 10 years, I have branched out to work with people that don't have epilepsy as well, 
Um, so the Charlie Foundation has, uh, you know, been a real fighter in this uh, attempt to get this diet into the hands of, of health professionals who will use it properly and yep. then, of course, to the people that can benefit from it. So we have sort of a two-pronged approach, yep. working with getting the healthcare professional up to speed and getting them comfortable and then educating also the end user, the people that, that can benefit. So tell us about yourself. I mean, st uh, 27 years working with this, it's like you, you obviously came on to this way, way before it, it had, I guess, exploded in, in, in popularity now. So tell us a bit about your background, how you first stumbled upon this, and then we can perhaps go into the work at the Charlie Foundation, starting with childhood epilepsy and then some of the other use cases that you're, that you're working with. So I started working uh, with ketogenic diets um, 27 years ago at the Children's Hospital here in Milwaukee, where I used to work. And it was as simple as a neurologist coming into my office and saying, I'm looking for a dietitian to work with this diet. There was just a Dateline expose, which happened to be Jim Abrams from the Charlie Foundation talking about his son's yes. recovery. Yes. Also, coincidentally, Jim Abrams is from Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. So that's how we met. So I, I um, took on the challenge and started working with uh, patients. And then eventually Jim contacted me. He called me out of the blue one day and wanted to do a conference in Milwaukee. And so we've known each other since then and have collaborated quite a bit through the years. Um, he finally hired me. Yeah, a wise move. <laughs> in 2006, he hired me. And then I went off. Uh, I left the hospital. I started up an LLC because I needed to keep active with helping people to get onto this diet and connecting them to physicians who would be able to make that happen. And then also to do work for the Charlie Foundation. And uh, some of the things that I've done for them is uh, writing diet guides and mm -hmm. um, a program on the internet, which some of your audience might be familiar with called Keto Diet Calculator. Yep that we use to calculate the diet and create recipes, um, whether you're eating a, you know, a, a diet we call an oral diet or whether you have a feeding tube, which a lot of my patients have, um, when they're not able to swallow, chew or swallow foods, we use um, a feeding tube, um, sometimes temporarily, sometimes permanently for nutrition. So that's one of my specialty area is to figure out a, how to create a diet that can be blended up from real food um, with the fat that you eat from a, from a ketogenic diet so that you can be fed nutritionally through the tube and stay in ketosis. Yeah, I remember having a, a guest on the show who was recovering from very, very severe traumatic brain injury. And he told me about the default hospital food that's put into the tube, which was corn syrup, soy, and, and some other stuff. And that's, that's not going to help the situation. So getting well-formulated, nutrient-dense, ketogenic foods into that system, I think, is just an incredible accomplishment. But I'd love to learn a bit more about uh, Jim Abrams and, and his situation. It's, it's really a truly remarkable story. I don't know that our community is familiar with it. Could you give us a brief overview on Jim's story? 
I certainly can because it's it's a fascinating story and one I never get tired of telling. So Jim Abrams is a Hollywood writer and movie producer, and um, people might know him, especially your audience, because you had told me your demographics um, is between age 40 and 70. And so a lot of those people would recognize Jim Abrams from uh, the movies from the 70s that he wrote with the Zucker brothers. Airplane is one of them, and Naked Gun is another. Um, yep. There are far more than that, but you can Google his name to see those. Anyways, when his youngest son turned around uh, age one, Jim and his wife, Nancy, noticed he started having weird movements. And that was the start of his epilepsy. And so for the next year, they went from specialist to specialist trying to get him on a therapy that would control his seizures. And unfortunately... They, they were very extreme, it, it, in my understanding, as it was hundreds per day, I think. Seizures, yeah. Charlie was having up to 100 seizures a day, and he was just debilitated. It, you know, if it wasn't the seizures, it was the drugs that he was on that was making him, you know, live in his car seat, basically. Yep. Mm -hmm. Not making his developmental milestones and not walking when he should have and all that. Um, and as Jim says, the drugs failed him. He didn't fail the drugs. The drugs failed him. But unfortunately for epilepsy, 30% of people that have epilepsy do not respond to the traditional anti-seizure medications that are available. And even with brand new medications that have come out, the statistic remains. That's a high percentage. A high percentage. And that who, that is who turns to the diet because... Yep. It definitely is easier to take a medicine twice a day than to restrict what you eat. So the people that come to this diet have gone through the medication route. And, and the other statistic that's um, pretty uh, alarming is that if you have been on two anti-seizure drugs and you're still having seizures, the likelihood of a third drug in controlling your seizures is less than 2%. It's pretty, pretty bad. So... Yeah. And my personal experience and my personal assessment of all the, the hundreds of people I've worked with, that there, I believe that these people that have a certain type of epilepsy have a metabolic epilepsy. And that's why they respond to the ketogenic diet. That makes perfect sense. Right. So that, that really has not been reported that way in the literature you know medical literature is very cautious about making statements and um everything needs to be so evidence-based and so and we're very careful at the charlie foundation to follow those rules um but in, in some respects we can't wait people can't wait for the science to try the diet we don't know how the diet works but the fact that it works really well in at least half of people who try it Yep. There's enough evidence to tell people to give it a try and, and to do it with medical supervision. So that's one of our, our missions is to get that message out that people with epilepsy should give this a try when medications, especially if they've been on two medications, if they don't work and they're not a candidate for brain surgery, which is another very uh, effective treatment. Mm -hmm. A small number of people that are candidates, if, if you can't fit into those two categories, you should consider this diet. So um, we spend a lot of time 
you know, reporting that and, and um, advising people and organizations and physicians on, on that very message. Now, Jim's son had a very successful outcome, is my understanding. He did. He did. So a few days, or actually about a week after Charlie was started on the diet, and, and mind you, he was in California, mm -hmm. and the only place that was doing the diet in the States at that time was Johns Hopkins on the East Coast. So Jim had to take him across the country with his wife, get him admitted, start him on the diet, and with, within days... He had like one of the worst ever types of epilepsy. It's called Lennox Gastaut. And it's just like, if you get that diagnosis, you know, it's like the worst ever. It's all different seizure types. It's not just one type of seizure. He had drop seizures. He had tonic clonic. He had myoclonic. He was just a mess, actually. But to have all of those seizures go away in a matter of days. And can you just imagine what the parents felt like when he was? A miracle. Not, uh, yeah, if relief, elation. Yes. Yeah. And then what? Yeah. Then why didn't we know about this? Why weren't we told about this? That's when you start to, to, to get really angry. <laughs> it's like I had to go find this out for myself. And these are the best medical facilities in the country. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they did have to find out. No one offered it to them. You know, Jim went into the medical library at UCLA and he read through books and found a chapter about the ketogenic diet. And he brought that book to his doctor and said, what about this? And his doctor said, well, yeah, I know about that, but we don't do that here. And Jim says, where do they do this? And then his doctor said, well, they do this at Johns Hopkins. Well, the, the determination to go and, and do the research and make that discovery and then to have the determination to just not accept, not take no for an answer and, and say, how do we do this? A lot of the guests we talk, talk to on this show, Beth, will advocate for becoming your own detective. You know, a woman we just spoke with, Carrie Brown, with, with Bipolar, and that was her number one message was becoming your own detective. And that's what comes up is just not willing to give up until you find the answer. And there is an answer out there. So that's just a really, really amazing story of, of Jim finding this buried in the, in the textbooks. And then within a week, there is a complete remission and, I would say a cure, actually, because my understanding is Charlie is seizure-free at this point. Yeah, so one of the best things about the ketogenic diet is it's a temporary diet for most people, specifically children. We know that for sure for children because that's who it's mostly used in. Mm -hmm. So most kids with epilepsy are on the diet for two, three years. Charlie happened to be on it for five because they did try taking him off at the two-year mark and the three-year mark and his seizures came back. So he stayed on for five years and then they, you know, you don't just stop the diet. You get taken off gradually. You reduce yep. gradually. You increase the carbs slowly. But Charlie's 26 years old. He's got a career as a preschool teacher 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't remember having seizures and he really doesn't remember the diet very much either. He, did, he remembers that people brought him food. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm definitely not a medical expert. I'm a technologist, as you know, Beth. I'm just building a software program to help people track all of this stuff. So I don't understand all of the, the, the biological underpinnings of, of how that works. But I'm starting to hear more of this word cure outside of the epileptic world. I was just fortunate enough here in Lake Tahoe, actually, we had Dr. Stephen Finney come up from Verta Health, and he used that same word associated with type 2 diabetes, which means not only are the symptoms reversing, the the body is healing itself. And so it's not just a a, a Band-Aid that you have to stay on for the rest of your life. So like you said, you do have to be very careful about the language used, especially in in the medical domain. But I'm hearing that more regularly. Obviously, it's it's not going to be 100% in 100% of the cases, but it's incredibly powerful to, to be able to even say that in some of the cases. Exactly. It is exactly what we have come across. I mean, for him to be eating whatever he wants, to be able to get through college, live on his own, having the history that he had, I mean, it's people are astounded. Doctors are astounded about him. And, and, and he's not an anomaly. I've worked with many patients yes. with similar experiences. One story was so compelling that Jim actually wrote a movie on it called First Do No Harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was in the 1970s. Um, and Meryl Streep played the mother in this movie. And it's a story of a little boy who had terrible seizures and ended up in a hospital. Um, and they kept medicating him and the family contacted Johns Hopkins and uh, asked if they could bring their child there to try the diet. And they ended up taking him out of the hospital against medical authorization. Um, so this is a true story. Mm-hmm. And uh, took him to Hopkins, put him on the diet. He had the same outcome that Charlie did. He stopped having seizures. Yes. Completely. And now that boy is in his, uh, probably in his early 40s. But Jim wrote a movie about that because it was a very interesting drama. There were a lot of other um, situations that occurred during his recovery. The family lost their farm because of his medical bills and so forth. So it's an interesting story, but it's curiously how a lot of people find out about the diet still. Yep. To this day. Yep. To this day. And that tells you that the diet is still highly underutilizing. It is not in every hospital in America. It's in a handful of hospitals. Well, hopefully that's changing. I think the, the wave is only gathering momentum. So I, I, I truly hope that we're, and as more education and, and awareness comes around this type of therapy, that it becomes more broadly accepted within conventional medicine. But maybe, Beth, for, for our audience who's listening, and may know someone or have a loved one who who thinks this might be helpful. You you mentioned some terms earlier when you were talking about Charlie, different types of epilepsy, different types of seizures. Could you just give us a, a brief education on some of the different types and, and where you see ketogenic therapy being effective? You mentioned about 30% of the cases where there is a metabolic component to it. But could you give us a little bit more education on that part of it? 
Yeah, so um, epilepsy, the definition of epilepsy is two or more unprovoked seizures. So I've talked to people who tell me they've had seizures all their life, but they don't think they have epilepsy. And unfortunately, they were not told by their physician what they have, because that's the definition of epilepsy. Now, my daughter, who had a fever when she was nine months old, had a seizure. So that's provoked, her, her seizure was provoked by the fever. That's not epilepsy. And she only had one. And there are other kids that have fevers and then have seizures. That's not epilepsy. So again, just, just a very simple application yep. of epilepsy. It's two or more unprovoked seizures, uh, unprovoked seizures. And they can't find out why the seizures are occurring. Maybe they can find out where they're coming from, but they can't find out why. And so to this day, we really don't know what the trigger is for a seizure. So that's part of the mystery of epilepsy. Um, but another mystery is we don't know how the ketogenic diet actually works to control the seizure. Yep. So those double mysteries make, I think, make it difficult for people to understand this. But there's been controlled trials that have done several in children and some in adults showing over and over again the same statistics. At least 50% of people, whether they're children or adults, who do this diet, no matter what kind of epilepsy, no matter what kind of seizures, at least 50% of them have 50% or more reduction. Yep. And about 15%, all the way up to 20 or 25% have complete seizure freedom. Yep. And you might say, well, why the big difference in seizure freedom? That these are different hospitals reporting this. So some hospitals get really good at applying. So there's, there's, there's an element of implementation technique, most certainly. There's an element of compliance, I'm sure. There's probably an element of genetics involved. I, I just had an interview with Alex Swanson from Nutrition Genome, who looks at genetic traits about how people metabolize fats, what types of people are better suited to a ketogenic diet than others based at a genetic component. So I, I, would, I would imagine that those are, are all playing into some of the variation in, in the success rates. Yes, and I would hope within a few years, within maybe 10 years, we will be able to pinpoint who would be a good responder. Yep. But what I tell people when I work with somebody that's interested in the diet is, you know what, it's a tough diet. And, and usually people with bad epilepsy are like, tell me what tough is. You tell me what tough is. <laughs> yeah. They know tough. You can't argue with that. They got, a, they got a pretty good point there. Yeah. But what I'll say is, I think before we even consider this ketogenic diet, that's going to re- there's a huge learning curve. You're going to be buying different foods. Your family has to get on board with this. If it's a child, the school has got to know about it. So there's you know, a lot of education that goes on in this. Before we go there, there's something that you can do that might be very effective um, that you can test out. And so I worked with the Charlie Foundation to design two different uh, media pieces that incorporate this concept. One is called the sugar affect my epilepsy. And it's just about getting rid of sugar in your diet. Yep. And I might add to that sugar substitutes as well, because they're actually just as bad as sugar. What about white bread? 
and highly processed foods. Yeah. Right. So, but the, which but is the, basically like worse than sugar from a blood, yeah. blood sugar point of view. Exactly. You're a step ahead of me. So the first one is just about getting rid of sugar. For some people, that is a huge hurdle because we're talking about medicines in liquid form. You know, a lot of toothpaste have sugar. And of yep. course, food and snacks. A lot of people don't realize, you know, there's sugar in kombucha, which they <laughs> think is a health food. There's sugar in fruited yogurt. Lots of it. There's sugar in mustard and ketchup, and 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 there's different names on the labels for sugar, and exactly. yeah, lot lot lots of different ways that this is hard. So that's step one, and that alone can be a big deal for people. So I like to yep. give people like two weeks to work at that, and then mm -hmm. say. When you're ready, come back because I have the next step for you. And the next step is more like a paleo diet, which is what you were referring to with the white bread. This is now sugar-free, gluten-free, because we're going to get rid of processed foods mm -hmm. and healthy fats. And so this is just about eating real food and yep. not eating processed food. So we have a different media piece. So that's phase two. That's is like, let's get into nutrient-dense, whole, unprocessed foods, eliminate gluten, grains, legumes, and yeah. go towards more of a paleo type of a template. Exactly. And so we have a four-page, beautifully designed media. I have a graphic artist that just made this beautiful. Um, and by the way... Can, can we share that, Beth, uh, no. attached to this? Is, is that internal to the Charlie Foundation? It is, and you, they can get it through the Charlie Foundation through their store, and then they just okay. ask for dollars for those. For okay, that's fair. Yeah, maybe we can link to the store, so if people want that, they can find it. I can definitely provide that to you. So I'll tell you what, I get reports back from people who try the first one, mm -hmm. that seizures are far less, and I get even more response from the second one. Yep. And some of that may be not only they're eating real food, their blood sugars are lower, they could be gluten sensitive, so they've gotten rid of gluten. And gluten can be inflammatory to some people, and there are reports in the medical literature of people that have taken gluten out of their diet and their seizures have gone completely away. So those, so that, that second step is something that I, it doesn't put you in ketosis, but it sure affects your metabolism in a positive way. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, and again, I would recommend anybody thinking about keto for epilepsy, try these first steps. And yes. then even if you're getting some improvement, it gives you a hint of information that, oh my gosh, my diet does affect my seizures. I want to take this further. Yep. And I know that I went, I, I used the paleo diet for many years and, and then took the next step toward keto, which is just even tighter around the things that are going to impact blood sugar, fruit, rice, things that are, are still sometimes included in, in paleo. Then you get rid of those. Now the blood sugar is being even more tightly controlled to the point where we're inducing ketosis. So that's, that was a big step for me in my own education about my personal health was what was really the difference between these two. And that's taking it into, I guess that would be stage three for you guys, which is then going on to keto. And, and that's a good way to do it because I remember going to the grocery store for the first time and I had like paralysis by analysis because I didn't even know what I could buy anymore. And it was like a stressful event. I actually was like getting anxiety because I'm like, man, I'm kind of just standing here 
not really knowing what to buy. And that's a learning curve that you experience with everything, playing the piano or, or going keto. There's, there's always that struggle-based learning component to it. But that's a nice way to give people some approachable ways to get into it and know that it's going to work. And, and, and if you have some improvement, you're like even more motivated to go to the next level. Exactly. And just, just a couple examples. I had someone recently who said, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing your whole foods diet and I, I'm having less seizures, but I realized um, one of my favorite foods is pineapple. And I had, you know, a good chunk of pineapple and like 20 minutes later I had a seizure and I realized either I need to have a tiny little piece or give up pineapple altogether, which again, it's my favorite fruit, right? So that was a learning experience for that yep. person. She was, she had gotten rid of so much fruit in her diet because yep. that's what you have to do on a whole foods diet. Mm -hmm. She was able to identify pineapple, which has a very high glycemic index. It means yep. that as soon as you consume it, it's jacking up your blood sugar right away. Yep. And that was causing a seizure. So people, I think, are become more sensitive or, or they're able to focus in on because they're getting rid of so much then they're starting to focus in on what's affecting them. Yep. Well, I know in Rob Wolf's book, he, he, he talks about the carb, uh, carb challenge. And what he says is, is try 50 grams of a specific, this is not for epilepsy. This is for, for, for health, mm -hmm. but maybe you can still have a quarter of that serving and, mm -hmm. and be okay. So you, you may be able to titrate down to a smaller serving and so you, he was recommending that people do the two-hour postprandial blood sugar test after eating different foods, yeah. see how high it is. So, Beth, are you seeing that – do you have any data where maybe it's through a continuous glucose monitor or other patients who have been able to see – what their blood sugar gets to. Like in the pineapple example, was it like 400 that, that triggers it? Or is, is it kind of different for everybody? Do you have any of that kind of data? I only have, you know, anecdotal data. Um, I, I did an abstract on the beta hydroxybutyrate and glucose levels in children years ago um, on a similar diet, uh, what we call four to one ratio diet. And this is like less than 5% carbs, a really mm -hmm. restrictive diet. Um, but I was, I wanted to report, um, what the, what their glucose and beta hydroxybutyrate, which is ketones in the blood, um, what those were in a group of kids just to report it. Yep. And what we found is that their glucose levels, again, this is children, ran between like 55 and 75. And their beta hydroxybutyrates ran between like three and five millimoles. So that just, that's not uh, something that's actually been reported much in the literature because people focus just more on, seizure, on seizures themselves and not the biomarkers. Yeah. But by and large, people that are doing this diet know that or they they can um modulate their diets if they know their biomarkers and they feel more comfortable if they know their glucose and they know their ketones and the pineapple example that person's glucose went just like 110 which is not, not out of not an abnormal number at all but abnormal for their low carb diet so they're yeah. probably were sitting more like 80 90 Got it. So it was that spike, actually. Yeah, it that, was a spike yeah. that 
it, you know, the glucose probably jacked up within moments. And if they were having ketones, actually this person wasn't measuring ketones because I told her you're not going to be in ketosis on this plan. But she may have had some small degree of ketones because her carb was pretty low. So it's that fluctuation and, and the immediate fluctuation, I think that uh, my experience can trigger a seizure in people that are on the diet. So, so we also know, you know, we tell people you're, you're going to be on a strict diet. If you do cheat, you might have a seizure because you're going to upset the apple cart, you yep. know, and so be prepared for that. And then it's a shock to the yeah, system. It is a shock. And that encourages them not, not to cheat. And, um, you know, and certainly for children, especially my school age kids that, um, they are unbelievably compliant. Like they kind of zone into the diet and they don't yep. want anything else. But sometimes there's a mistake, like somebody pours regular soda instead of water for them and they get a burst of sugar and boom, like, you know, within a day they have a, a seizure and then it takes a while for people to figure out what happened, how, you know, what did they get? Because um, they're so usually well controlled on this. So yeah, lots of anecdotal stories of, um, aberrations in the diet that have triggered a seizure in people that were pretty compliant. Yeah, the data nerd in me immediately wants to try to see how we can find these correlations and the society we live in, the 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 food on our on our on our shelves is is highly oriented to be uh, unfriendly towards blood sugar. I I've I've mentioned this many times but the day when we can just put the Apple watch on or something that's just doing continuous glucose monitoring where you don't need a prescription. It's non-invasive. And even if it's not seizures, people can start making these associations. It just could be digestive issues. It could be brain fog. A lot of people just who, who don't have a chronic or, or, or acute disease are, are going to go to the lengths to start pricking their finger 10 times a day. That That's a big leap for a lot of people. So the sooner we can get to non-invasive, off-the-shelf, everyday technology to help people make that association, I think that's going to be a, a big win for the health of our society as a whole. I agree completely, David. I think would turn around our epidemic of pre-diabetes and yep. diabetes because it's yep. all about glucose and, and insulin um, sensitivity and, and yep. it's just a big epidemic i was just in china where it's even a bigger epidemic there um and they're trying to figure out how to turn around the the message to people to get them away from white rice which is yep. like our pasta here you know yep. everybody pasta and bread here there they eat white rice yeah but to get people to realize that they have to cut back on their portions and at a government level, Beth, are, are you seeing other countries like China becoming much more receptive to putting these changes in at the national level? I mean, I know here that's just a whole can of worms that is like not even worth going to right now. But when you're in other countries, are you seeing like much more uh, acceptance to say, okay, we have to put these guidelines in nationally and this education nationally, get it into our medical textbooks get it into the mainstream? Um, so I can't speak to China because I just started working with them, but many other countries that I've been to, and I've been to a lot of small and developing countries, like the Ministry of Health will come to meet me because they're interested. Yeah. You know, I was in Jamaica a couple of years ago 
And they took my recommendations for cutting back on carb to their ministry of health because their, their food pyramid, like, you know, we call it my plate now, it's no longer the pyramid, but they have a, a similar type of, of a, a media um, for the public. It's like 80% carb. And it's a small island. It's only 75 square miles. Yep. Most of the people are obese. They've got diabetes, hyperinsulinemia. But it's, so the government is looking at like, whoa, what can we do? And they are turning things around. And so, yeah, I do see it in smaller countries. Um, uh, and, and, you know, as you said, it's, it's a battle here. Um, but, but there is some forward motion. Well, here it's going to happen from the bottom up. I mean, people are just basically going to say, screw you and go just figure it out online and do it themselves. I mean, it's happening all over the place. It's sad, but the, 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 it's happening as a, as a bottoms up thing here, in, in my opinion. So, yeah. You know, and, and I think that the people who have the wherewithal to say, I got to take, take charge of my health, you know, like I don't think most people realize that they can't rely on their doctor. Yep. There's, there's a mindset of, of people, and I'm related to a lot of them, that think they go to the doctor and the doctor tells them what to worry about, what not to worry about, and that's it. But as a healthcare person, I have realized, oh my gosh, it is up to the individual. They yes. have advocate because their doctor's not going to teach them about their diet yep. or just even say there is a, there is a way to prevent obesity you know, mm-hmm. we all have the gene for obesity. Yep. But how do you prevent expression of that gene? Yeah, the epigenetic switches. That's yeah. that's what we can control. Yes, and you can control that. Yeah. So, Beth, tell us about the Charlie Foundation. I know you probably get calls from all over the world of frantic people who heard about this, don't even don't even know where to start. So, Tell us about the work that you guys are doing there to help people when, when they're just reaching out and starting to gather information. So a really good place to start is just the Charlie Foundation website. And we just went through an overhaul of it. And again, as I mentioned at the start, we are opening the doors to other applications. So you'll find information about epilepsy, um, but also uh, brain cancer, um, autism, migraine headache, Parkinson's disease. Um, so, and we keep adding information as it comes yep. to in through the literature. Um, we're also very involved in setting up and sponsoring conferences. So um, we're involved with a conference that'll be happening in January, 2019 called the Metabolic Health Summit. In yeah, that one's in, uh, yeah, it's in Los Angeles. Is that correct? Yeah, it's actually in Long Beach. We, we were uh, situated right next to them together at KetoCon, I think. Weren't we all kind of in that same little corner there? We were, yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, Jim Abrams actually will be speaking at their gala at that meeting. So if you want to come and meet Jim. Yeah, we'll be there for sure. We'll be there along with um, Keto Mojo, just based on some of the integration work that we're, we're doing with, with their device into Heads Up Health. So that, that one's definitely on our list uh, to attend for sure. Excellent. And there's also a meeting uh, sooner than that in September in Jeju, South Korea. Yep. Um, that is a, a global meeting on um, ketogenic diet therapies for epilepsy and ne- other neurological disorders. September? That is in September. Okay. 
And then um, next fall, I'm helping to organize a meeting in Arizona, mm-hmm. and that will be epilepsy and, and brain cancer. So there's, there's a meeting almost once a year. Yep. For, and, you know, these meetings are expensive, so we have to, you know, kind of uh, step back, do some fundraising, yeah. do some planning, and then yep. prepare for the meeting. Well, it's, an, it's no different in my world. Beth's trying to trying to build a software pro platform. It's fundraising and stepping back and and staying alive sometimes when when the times get lean. So I definitely can empathize with that world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that tells you something. That's like you know we don't have big pharma behind us. No, we don't. So, you know, we're the, we are the little people that are trying to make a difference in people's lives and mm-hmm. you know projecting out as far as we can and doing as much as we can i also speaking of education and what the charlie foundation does i have um, done trainings in 250 hospitals mostly in the u.s some in canada yeah uh, in other in about a dozen other countries and um, uh, that's what i was doing in china i was doing an education there and my cohort, I have a partner that uh, does these with me. She just got back from Romania doing a training. That was her second trip out there. So we go into hospitals and we tell them to have four or five patients ready to go and have them screened and have their blood work done and get the families prepped and have them start with a sugar-free diet and a whole foods diet yep. before we get there. And then what we do during the week or so that we're there is we start them out on a ketogenic diet gradually um, and get them up to um, into ketosis. And, and uh, while we're doing that, everyone is learning a lot as we go along. Um, yep. There's a nutritionist assigned to each patient and the doctors are involved and the nurses are checking their bloods. And, and so everybody kind of learns through this experience, but that's a really good way to bring this to other countries and once they see a couple people do really well they're very excited about continuing it cool so if anyone is listening and you are affiliated with a with a hospital or institution who is receptive to these trainings then contact beth you can do that definitely i welcome your contact cool and how would people contact you beth if they want to work with you or get more information so I'm going to give you the easiest way, because this is the easiest way for people to remember. If you just go to the Charlie Foundation mm-hmm. and press the Contact Us link, yep. you, that goes directly to Jim Abrams. Yep. He's all those. Well, he's very intimately involved then if he's, he's screening the messages. Yeah, yeah. So he'll send the ones to me that say, I want, you know, I want a training either mm-hmm. in the U.S. or wherever. I want, I'd like, I'm, more, I'm interested in a training. Yep. Um, we also, since I'm talking about the Charlie Foundation and resources, there are a list of about a dozen people like me who work yep. individually. So if they're looking for a nutritionist, we have a nutritionist and a nurse and a keto coach in our group. If you're looking for somebody to work with, these people work globally on a consultation basis. There's a fee involved, of course. They're all yep. individuals, but you can contact them through their email. They all have websites, but they all are very experienced ketogenic professionals. So that's another another avenue for someone that's looking for help. And also, if you're listening and you want to contribute to a worthy cause, the Charlie Foundation would be a wonderful place to look. Right. Why, thank you for mentioning that. We, Shame, we, shameless plugs are perfectly acceptable on this show, Beth. Yeah. 
Um, so I will add to that that Jim Abrams matches every dollar that is donated. That's incredible. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and uh, we, if everything goes into education, there's very there's no overhead. We don't even have a building. <laughs> <laughs> we work out of our homes. Jim works out of his home. Yeah. And uh, it's very you know low cost uh, run. Uh, we have couple volunteers that just donate their time to yep. help us out but uh, we do appreciate the donations cool well it's been really great getting to know you beth i know we exchanged a bunch of emails we finally met in person in austin texas at KetoCon, and i'm sure there's going to be lots more areas where we're going to collaborate so it's been great getting to know you thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to come and share this this important information with the heads up health community it's been great speaking with you and really excited to keep working with you guys thank you i i look forward to as well and and i wish everyone the best that's listening to this to take charge of their health thank you beth Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 